This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to episode 220 of the Stacey West podcast. Tonight I am your host and my name is Gary and with me is Chris. How are you doing mate? Hello everybody. Yeah, very well thank you. How are you my friend? Yeah, I nearly killed a girl last night. Oh. I know. I know. Well, do you know what? Actually, I was genuinely terrified. So I was coming back from uh, the supermarket in Louth. And anyone who knows our road, it's a narrow kind of single lane track. There isn't room. You have to pull over to pass another car. Um, And I don't know if... Have you been on the road? If you go out the... Not coming from rugby, but heading out towards Louth, it's hilly and windy. Mm -hmm. And people park their car on the side of the road and they walk their dogs. And so I was coming back and I never do more than 40 on that road because it's, you know, you don't know what's coming around the corners. And I could see up ahead there was loads of people in the road. So I slowed down to about 30 and it was a mother, dare I say, rough as fuck. Uh, Excuse my language. We're straight in there already. You know, like proper brood of kids, like it must have been six kids and a dog. Um, none of the kids were older than 10 years old. So it was just her, all these kids and this dog. And there was like a rusty people carrier further up the road. So I slowed down to 30 and they're right on the side of the road to my right hand side, like right on the verge. So I'm thinking, I don't like this. I got within 15 yards of them and a girl no older than four ran out in the middle of the road. So I've slammed my anchors on, but of course, because she was running across to the left, I thought, Normally, I would swerve to the right and take my car away from her. But if I'd done that, I would have ploughed into the other ones, all stood on the side of the road looking. So I've had to turn to the left at the same time, because if she stops, I'm going to hit her. Um, I could only just see the top of her head uh, when I looked down the bonnet when my car came to a stop. How I didn't hit her, I don't know. And do you know what? The woman never even looked at me. No apology, nothing. They grabbed the kid, dragged her off to the side of the road and started giving her a telling off. Never even looked at me. I come back here. I was actually shaking. I had to sit down and feed, want me a drink. So that's the closest I've ever come to killing anybody. And obviously I've never tried to kill anybody. So, 
Well, what a, what a lovely start to the podcast. Well, yeah. I'm, pleased, I'm pleased you didn't kill anybody, guys. That's, yeah. that's, that's the positive outcome here. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, killing children is frowned upon, um, whether it's purposeful or not. Somewhat, yes. Yeah. Charlie, don't clip that up for a short, uh, is all I'll say. Did, did you notice, actually, on another subject, how Charlie clipped up all of our attempts to talk about Dale Taylor? Um, after you left us last week, I'm, that might have been my idea. Oh, was it really? That was very good. It's got more views than all of the other clips that he's done put together. I think he's got about a thousand odd views. That's like, brilliant. I know. It was expertly, expertly put together by Charlie. He didn't clip up the bit where Ben didn't realise Kyle Wharton had played for us, but he clips up the bit where we were interrupted numerous occasions. How are you, mate? Anyway, it's not all about me. How are you? <laughs> I'm fine. Yeah, I'm all good, mate. Thank you. I don't not, not killed anybody? No, not recently. No, we're all, we're all good this end. Thanks. Excellent. Uh, I was just reading through, um, we we're actually recording at about five o'clock or so on, on Thursday. And my last task of the day, we got a, we get a monthly like email newsletter at work just to see what's going on in the organisation and whatnot. Oh, I was just reading through that as I do every month. And as recommended listens and reads at the bottom was the Stacey West podcast. I have zero input on this, by the way, like literally nothing to do with this. So it's a pleasant surprise to see that people have been passing the pod and it's clearly been talked about in the office enough for someone to take notice. I don't know who. So thanks nice. to whoever that was. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I like that. I do. I mean, my dad and mum don't listen to it, so it's quite good that um, you get that recognition at work and I don't even get it in my house. <laughs> well, well Steph's never listened either. So that, oh, that's works. fair enough. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. And the thing is, if they did listen, what they would get is some absolutely excellent Lincoln City content talking about all of the latest news and views. Uh, and there's two major bits of news that we can drop on, I think, this week. But we've then taken some questions from the floor um, and they're, they're good questions. So we've got some real meat to get into. So what we said was going to be, I oh, will just knock out a quick half hour just to cover the news probably is going to run to the usual lambing influenced one hour and 15 minutes bare minimum. So let's start at the beginning last week. And it seems like an age ago now. Um, Sean Rowan pens a new deal. Now, it feels like we've spoken about this, but it was Friday, wasn't it? So it's not possible that we've spoken about it on a podcast. Um, what, what, what are your thoughts? I think it's fantastic news. And if I'm honest, unexpected news. Yeah. Yeah. And my initial thoughts is, I think we discussed it a few weeks ago in terms of, well, whatever happens, we can put a positive spin on it. It was a bit of a win-win situation, I think, for the club. If Sean stays, we get a solid and ever-improving young player with a high, a, high, a high value and a high potential sell-on in a year or two's time. Or if he does leave, he not only would go for a reasonable fee, the club which we could reinvest, it, it would also have along with it that recognition as well of Lincoln City being a good club to develop young players. So either outcome was a win-win. This was my I think all of our preferred outcome, but we could have at least put a positive spin on if he hasn't stayed. And I think two years is a really interesting time frame as well. Uh, a two-year deal is what he's signed. Because that means if he has a fantastic season and he settles himself and he makes that left central defender role his own this season, he's going to be worth significantly more than the compensation fee that he would have received this year and would still have another year left on his deal. If he leaves it a year after that to the end of his current deal, we would still be due compensation because he's still under the age of 23 at that point. 
and the compensation fee you would expect would likely be larger than it would be this time round, considering or, uh, c expecting him to continue in the same vein. So I think it's absolutely fantastic news. Yeah, I agree. Um, I really like the fact it's a two-year deal, <coughs> and I would imagine that it was um, something that perhaps the player might like to have negotiated was a three-year deal. So in my mind, if there hadn't been talk of him leaving and it had been Sean Rowan going, I want to stay at Lincoln, um, I would imagine they would push for the three-year deal. Certainly an agent, you would think, would, knowing then, right, well, he will be 23, so he can then walk away at the end of that. So the club have protected their interests. I believe that the um, compensation that we would have got this time is actually more significant than people are probably um, giving the club credit for because I don't know, it won't be what he's worth, et cetera, et cetera. The boy came over at 16. He's now 20 years old. That's four years the, the tribunal would take into account the salary of the tutor that we brought in for him, almost certainly. The fact that um, we invested more in him than maybe we would have done an academy player who was based in Lincoln, that would have almost certainly gone on the top of it as well. So I think he would have been, personally, I think any team taking him in this transfer window would have had to have paid Lincoln a bare minimum of £400,000, um, if not more. Two years' time... The worst that can possibly happen is that he doesn't perform well over these next two years and he's worth a similar amount because the tribunal won't go, well, he's been crap for the last two years. They'll still look at all of the development and the fact he's still only 22. So that 400,000 for me is ring fenced, it's protected. It doesn't matter if he doesn't kick a ball between now and then, that's still going to be kind of the value because it's almost... They base it not just on kind of, they don't look at him and go, oh, he's this good or that good. They don't look at football manager and go, we think he's worth this or that. They make a decision based a lot, a lot on what we've invested. So I think it's brilliant. But taking all that away from it, we've retained one of the brightest young left-sided centre-backs in the division. And I think that's the major point to look at. We thought he was going to go. You, I know you thought he was going to go. I 100% thought we'd seen the last of Sean Rowan. Um, and he's just a, he was another figure from last season. What did he start 30 games for us last season? We've kept a first team player, he's 20 years old. Big business. And in the modern day, that position of a left sided centre back it's just such a sought after position. And there aren't many out there, there are not many high quality left sided centre halves. We know he played a fair amount of time at wing back last season, but he both him and the club have stated that they, they all agree that he's a, his long-term position is, is, is a left-sided centre-back. And left in a three, I think, just suits him perfectly. And it's a more and more important role now as it, than it was maybe a few years ago because we are expected to play out a little bit more. Having that natural left foot opens up completely different passing lanes compared to if you've got a natural right foot playing on the left side. And statistically speaking, there just aren't as many left-footed centre-backs as there are right. And it's... Yeah, so I think... Not only is the fact he's a, he's a defender, the fact he's young, the fact we've put some a considerable development into him. Purely on the pitch, we've got a, a really high quality, consistent and ever-improving left-sided centre-back, which is a sought-after position from a sell-on perspective. And it's a, a really useful first-team player now. I think it's yeah, a fantastic situation for the club to be in. You see, some people will, because in my mind, pe people are talking about replacing Regan Paul, bringing in a new centre-back. And, and I think Michael Horton said there's a suggestion we'll bring in another centre-back. I buy that. I get that because if we're going to play three at the back, you need five centre-backs. You need and to, you know, you need... Currently got to... four plus one out injured for however long. So we do currently need... Currently got... Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, technically, we go for a one for every position. So if we're going to play three centre-backs, we actually need six. But that's not how it's going to go. 
Um, I heard when I, I was talking, I think it was to Pete Summers, my mate Pete, everyone kind of knows him on the podcast. And I think I was talking to him and he said, if you lose Regan Paul and you keep Sean Rowan, your defence is weaker than it was last season. Now, I can see where he's coming from. Regan Paul, player of the year two years ago, very, very strong player again last season. But actually, we're, we're bringing Sean Rowan into a natural position as left-sided centre-back. As we, we were infinitely better as a defensive unit when Joe Walsh played there, by the way. Again, from an attacking perspective as well as a defensive perspective, because, as you say, the passing lanes are more comfortable on the left foot. And it's also kind of where you show the players when you're on the ball and they know you're not going, just going to have to cut inside. Um, I can see how pound for pound people might think that it's going to be a weaker back three. I still think we've got a, a hugely underrated right-sided centre-back who people will be overlooking in terms of our first-team squad. Um, I'm still backing him to come good in TJ Aoma. I think he was better last season. He was kept out of the side by some very good players. Uh, and I think the fact that we only found that we've got a right wing back in Las Sorensen towards the end of the season, and then that kind of pushed Regan Paul into the right, right centre-back position, that kind of, it was challenging for Ioma. But I think he's got a real stab at, at getting himself into the first team this season as well. Paul O'Connor's still only young in relative terms. It's just, just the defence feels, for me, it feels as strong as at any point I can remember um, going back kind of over the last couple of years in terms of youth, in terms of kind of a, a stability. Maybe it's the fact we've gone to a three as well um, last season, perhaps. I, I think that helps. Um, I'm always a big fan of a back three, so I'm always going to be biased in that regard. But I just feel really that we've got some solidity in the back line. And it's not just we've got three, you know, three or four solid players. We've got versatility there as well. And we've got depth and we've got just nice balance. So, for example, if we're playing against a team where we're expecting to be backed against the wall, you've got Jacko, you've got O'Connor, and let's say Rowan's going to be our starting left centre-back. You've got a natural left foot and you've got two proper defenders. Warriors. Like, yeah, Warriors, actually. Not necessarily ball-playing centre-backs, but Warriors. And TJ's that interesting position because he's... I, I wouldn't feel particularly comfortable with him in a two. No. And as a right wing back in a three, I feel he's not attacking enough. He is perfectly suited to a right back in a four or a right centre-back, I think, would be his best position because he's kind of that in-between. He's he's good on the ball. He's not a, a warrior as such, but he's, he's dominant enough. He can win his tackles, he, but he can play a little bit as well. And it's almost in those games where you think, you know, we, we're going to be able to play a little bit here. We're going to have a bit more of the ball then it's a bit like horses for courses, isn't it? It's just a very different profile of player to, say, Jackson and O'Connor. It'd be nice to sign one one extra. Um, I think that's that's something that we'll look to do. But let's not forget about Hayden Can as well, who signed a pro deal this, this pre-season, who we discussed this last time. Maybe most of us expected to see him move on. He was out of contract, 20 years old, been playing at step seven of non um for, for a little while but it's clearly impressed you don't offer someone at, at 20 a new deal unless you there's a a pathway there for them to at least be involved in the first team squad i don't think there we go bingo cards out um so so maybe we do have six already maybe we do but we haven't we've only got one left-sided center back we don't need them we played plenty of times last season without a natural left footer and a three but rowan signing on a two-year deal to try and make a stamp of that left-sided centre-back his own just fits everyone. It fits his like a glove, really. Has Hayden Can signed a new deal? I must have missed that. Yes. Yeah. It was announced at the same time that Jacko did, I, I think, I think. 
Okay, I must I must have missed that. I knew he saw, I knew he had a three year deal. So I mean, I think the thing about Hayden Camp and what we're going to do, we're going to touch on this in one of the questions. So I'm going to make a point now that I'm going to make again later on, where you said you know he's been playing at this step. He's twenty. Where we're going to cut him loose. I think a club like Lincoln City now can afford to carry a player until they're 21 or 22 if they haven't seemingly made the grade. We've seen it with, um, or we we believe we've seen it with Elitra Huey that, you know, Forrest or whoever cut him loose at a young age and all of a sudden he spurted on and now we're talking about him as potentially being a, a challenging kind of right wing back for us. And again, you look at a defender, like if you're 20 years old as a defender, it might be hard to get yourself established in a Lincoln City first team. That's why what actually what Sean Moran's done, just because he's been around four years, is irrelevant. The fact he's 20 years old and established himself in Lincoln City's first team is, is incredible for a uh, player of his age when you think about some of the centre forwards he's come up against. If Hayden Can hasn't done that, it doesn't necessarily mean he's not going to do that. And I think there are numerous examples of players where yeah, they've gone out on loans. I say it every week. I use, I'm sure it's Callum Lang, isn't it? I use every week who was at Wigan and kind of out on loan here, there, and everywhere. There can be late developers, and we're going to talk about Charlie Kendall a little bit later on. And that's I'm going to come on to that. So I'll, I'll park that for now. Um, so we're talking about TJ Oma, um, you know, former Spurs youth. Uh, we had another former Spurs youth last season who came in and was miles off the the pace really in the end in Tashan Oakley Booth. We've now gone for the trio. Um, so Jaden Brown has signed for Lincoln City, as we know. That was earlier in the week. Obviously, I did a dog walk saying I didn't expect anything in the week. And just 20 or 20 or 30 minutes later, an email comes through going, expect something today. Um, so Jaden Brown, left back, left wing back, um, was at Spurs, moved to Huddersfield. Um, interestingly enough, we did a bit of chatting off air, uh, was a regular in the Huddersfield side uh, under Danny Cowley from Danny arriving until Harry Toffolo arrived. And then Harry Toffolo dislodged him from the uh, from the Huddersfield team. So he was replaced by Toff at Huddersfield. Um, he made his Huddersfield debut, by the way, uh, made his Sheffield Wednesday debut, I think it is, by replacing Midi Shadipo, who was on loan there as well. So there's lots of little Lincoln connections. Um he will potentially benefit from having a left-sided centre-back playing next to him. He's 24 years old. He's a free transfer in and out of Sheffield Wednesday's team. Um, and again, it's you know all signings are an interesting signing. But for me, there's a, there's, there's two elements. The Jaden Brown looks like he's got a bit about him. He's obviously played regular championship football, irregular League One football. He's 24. He's at a point where he really does need to kick on. And there's an element of the project about him in that he wasn't a regular for Sheffield Wednesday. They weren't overly impressed with him in his first season. Um, so we may have a little clip from uh, former media manager Terry Hibbard uh, talking to Charlie about Jaden Brown. So, Terry, I guess yeah. the kind of headline question is, who is Jaden Brown? Um, well, we've, we saw two sides Jaden Brown, being completely honest with you. Um, first signed if the impression was of that first probably dozen or so games, then I'd say the outlook wasn't very bright, to be honest. When he first came in, um, he was a signing that I think just it reflected where the where Sheffield Wednesday was as a club, how who we could sign, um, you know, the transfer embargoes, that sort of thing, was feeling the effect of that. And um, we weren't particularly, we weren't, disappointed. I mean, let's be honest, he started his career at Spurs and he was at Huddersfield, so he's not... Obviously, there's a footballer in there, but when he first started, um, yeah, the impressions were quite poor. He seemed like a player who, who wasn't sure of his, his best position. 
he wasn't the best tackler. It, it wasn't good, I'll be honest. Um, however, I do like, as much as that sounds really negative, <laughs> there, were, there were, you know, for me, I, I do try and be as positive as I can. And there were some glimpses within there that, that, that you could see that there was something. Although it took a while to get there and, and his uh, chances in the team were a little bit sporadic. I mean, he played just over 30 games for us in the end, um, including substitute appearances. Um, by the end, certainly towards the back end of last season, he was showing what... It, it was far more than a glimpse. He played an important part in the running to the playoffs. He scored against Peterborough, not in the playoff game, but in, in the game in March leading up to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And then sort of came back into the squad... Stayed in, in and around, played, I think, six or seven games toward the end. Um, played pretty well against Derby in, in the game that sort of sealed our playoff fate and Derby's playoff yeah. fate not being in there. And then set up the, the fifth goal in that absolute epic against Peterborough. So <laughs> while his start was less than less than um, positive, his end was very positive. So, you know, for, you know, I think if you can get more of the Jane Brown we saw at the end, then I think Lincoln mm-hmm. fans will be, will be, you know, pretty happy with him, to be honest. Well, that's certainly good to know. Um, I guess kind of along that line, and I know this is a very sort of a very simple linear question to what is actually sort of is quite layered. Would you have taken him on for another year at Wednesday? In League One, perhaps. I don't mm-hmm. think he's a championship player right now. I mean, he's still only a young lad. So there's a, yeah. you know there's a lot of, lot of time for him to, still to grow. You know he's far far from the finished article. I think um, right now I don't think he's right for the championship. But as I said, towards the back end of last year, he proved that he he was you know he, he could play an important part in in what was a very important part of our season and and not be overawed and and certainly not look out of place. Mm. So you know with that in mind, I think had we not gone up and you know, achieve what we did, then I that's, wouldn't have been disappointed. That's really positive. And it's something that, are, um, for those that have looked on Twitter and such, will have seen that kind of a an opinion very much put around on Twitter. And it's, you know, it's, it's very odd, as I'm sure you'll very much be aware, that people can be positive on football Twitter, especially about a player who's maybe not had as great an impact as what you'd maybe hope when he signed. But there seems to be quite a sort of liking to him. And the, people seem to think that he can come on to become the player that everybody hopes and hopefully he can do that at Lincoln. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be nice. Um, as I said, you, you know, he's, he's gone from showing very small glimpses of potential to mm. showing a lot more of it and, and you know, almost leaving you still wanting more, but in, in, a, in a much better sense. Um, is the, 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 I'm just thinking in particular of two incidents towards the back end of the season where... One, he ran the full length of the pitch to come back and made a, make a tackle to try and you know and, and stop arguably a certain goal in in a game in them last few games of the season, and then the composure he mm-hmm. showed to pass the ball when being in the box in the in in injury time when we chasing a, that fifth goal against Peterborough, many players would have had a mm. shot. And to be honest, you probably wouldn't have argued against him doing it, him in particular doing it. There's not often defenders you know attacking fullbacks, if you will get into that position and sort of think, uh, you know, and, and having the wherewithal to look up and, and pass the ball rather than thinking, oh, I'm in a chance to shoot. I'm just going to shoot. But it was mm-hmm. it was more a considered pass than than anything else. And I think that 
that speaks volumes to what he can do. Um, and I think he needs a run of consistent games. And I think that's also the key as to why we saw the most, you know, the best out of him towards the back end of his time with Wednesdays. He had a relatively consistent run of games in, in from like March to May. I think he played eight or nine times, which is more than he'd done. Well, it's equal to what he'd done over the rest of the season from, from August to March. He'd been a bit part player up till then. So then to be in and have that, like I say, eight or nine games towards the end of the season just shows that what he can do if he's given that chance. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, what do you what? Uh, so what do you think of the Brown signing? I think the first thing that stands out is it's another permanent deal, which is which is always a positive, is that this seems to be a real focus from the club this season, that early in the window we're making our permanent moves, which gives us a better opportunity of having a positive start to the season. It allows us then to maybe weigh up the squad later in the window, closer to deadline, about potential loans. And it looks like we're not relying on loans as for starting players. And I think that's a positive. And then it depends if you're glass half full or glass half empty, because there's evidence on social media or just online, wherever you find it, to it's all about confirmation bias, isn't it? If you're looking for something that suggests that Jaden Brown isn't quite up to it, you've only got to read reports from Sheffield Wednesday fans from, from a season or two ago. If you want to have some proof that Jaden Brown is a really positive signing and can really kick on, you've only got to read match reports from him at Huddersfield Town or from whenever he played for Wednesday last season. So ultimately, you never know how a sign's going to work out until you see them play. Of course, we can only ever dis- discuss it from an on-paper perspective and take into consideration what we've learned from the past. I think it's, uh, it's a positive signing on paper. Most importantly, we've got someone who can definitely play left wing back. If we kicked off the season, now we've got a first eleven that can play and kick off in League One that's going to hold their own. What was really interesting is that Mark Kennedy mentioned his attributes and also likened them to, to Lass on the other side, which I think might help answer a question that we're going to come on to later around the left wing back situation. Um, very different style of left wing back to Harry Boys, who we, we got the pleasure of seeing a little bit more last season. And, and also slightly different style of wing back to, to Sean Rowan, really, because Sean seemed to be quite a, a conservative left wing back. Didn't get forward as often, wasn't particularly creative, but was solid. Harry Boys was very attacking, maybe lacking slightly defensively. Whereas what I've noticed from, uh, from Jaden is he's just really athletic. He gets up and down really quickly. He's physically strong. He's quick. Um, hasn't had a huge amount of, of direct involvement in goals, so I haven't seen many clips of him, you know, putting in wand, left foot wand kind of style crosses or anything like that. But he gets up and down incredibly well, and if he can have a similar impact as Mark Kennedy mentioned on the left hand side, as lasted on the right hand side towards the end of the season, then we've we've got a hell of a player there. I imagine he's signed to play first team football. Yeah, we signed him as a starting left wing back. And if we give him a chance to make that position his own, then the reports show that when he has regular football, he is successful. And he hasn't, the season he had the least football, which was the season that he got the the most criticism, which is two seasons ago for Sheffield Wednesday. And when he played last season, a lot of the, the messaging from the Sheffield Wednesday fans is that he was, he was kept out of the side by some really established pros. I think it was Marvin Johnson primarily that keeping out the, out the squad at left wing back. But when he did play, he never let them down. He was dependable. So that stands out as someone. If we could, if you've got someone playing left wing back that you can trust, I'm quite happy with that. Yeah, I think 
there's a difference. I mentioned Tashan there, and I, yeah, it's easy to look at TJ and Tashan and, and Jaden Brown and, and kind of raise the questions about suitability. You know, if we get a TJ from 2020-21 season, yeah, we'll be getting a great player. And actually, that season, TJ was just as strong at wing-back or at right-backs. But obviously, we played a four at the time. It was just as strong at right-back. He then played right-centre-back. I mean, he was awesome in the uh, playoff semi-final, cleared off the line against Sunderland. So he had the commitment. He had everything kind of in place, whereas Tashan really kind of didn't. And you could tell that perhaps he's not suited to League One football. I think the difference here is that Jaden has played regular League One football. And look, just because he didn't get as many games in a team that got 96 points as, as people might have liked to have seen, they got 96 points. This is a team that, that blew League One away. And Lincoln City, with, with the greatest respect, if he played 38, 40 games for that team, we wouldn't have been in with in signing. He's not going to be on our radar. He's not he? on Let's our radar. So it's, it's, he's, he feels a little bit, I think Sheffield Wednesday last season or Sheffield Wednesday as a club are a championship quality club. Not, not in terms of, you know, okay, you've got your Barry Bannons and I know that we're in our league and all that sort of stuff. If you get 96 points in League One, your squad is championship quality. That's fact. And they went up and it was proven that they were championship quality. And I actually, I've said it before, Darren Moore's a lovely guy, but I don't think he's a great manager. And I actually think had they had a uh, a, a manager like a, a Mickey Duff or somebody like that, I actually believe that with the players they've got, Sheffield Wednesday could have won the league with, you know, 100 plus points. I genuinely do. So to sign a player that played a bit part in that and to sign a player that fans of that club have said he's never let us down, he's committed. And and if, uh, the Terry Hibbard interview that we listened to earlier, you know, if you listen to it in full on the YouTube, he uses words like honest, he uses words like, um, you know, you can depend on him and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think I think that that's uh, I think that that's a, a real positive. Um, so something to look forward to, almost certainly. Indeed. So that's Jaden Brown. That seems like a really good time uh, to get enthusiastic, excited, emotional and passionate about McDonald's. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. There you go. I'll tell you something, if that doesn't if that doesn't spark your hunger for a McDelivery, I don't know what will. And, and Chris Chris is smiling away in the background there. I'm not even gonna talk about it anymore because I'm not corp- we're not corporate whores. Um you can tell that I don't have a huge amount of excitement for McDonald's. Right, so we have got some questions from the floor. 
do forgive me because I've copied them into a Word document and I do not have the um, person who has asked the questions noted in here. So we've got about 35 minutes or so to get through 10 questions, which is about three and a half minutes, which is about a minute and a half each. Uh, no doubt we will run over. So let's we, we're talking about right back and we're talking about the defence rather. So let's talk about a right back. So the first question that we have from somebody on Twitter. Thank you. If it's you. What are your thoughts on the right wing back situation? Do we sign someone as good as Lass and let them compete for the starting position? Or do we leave Lass as the definite starter and have Ben or a Hui as backup? Mr. Lamming, you can take this one first. It's a great question. And it's impossible to know the club's thoughts on this. But reading between the lines, I don't feel that Mark Kennedy would have mentioned in Jaden Brown's signing statement about how successful Lass was at right wing back and we're hoping for a similar success about Jaden if he had the intention of playing Lass as a central midfielder this season. So I expect Lass to be our number one starting right wing back. And I imagine he's he's probably earned some assurances in that regard. And let's not forget, we have Jay Ben, we have Alicia Rahui and also TJ Aoma, who have all at times played right wing. I think at least one of them is going to stay in and around the squad to challenge. Wouldn't surprise me if it was a Hui. It's purely from the fact that he's just had a really successful time out in Ireland and has the momentum. It feels to me like out of him and Ben, if one of them is going to be staying in the squad to play second fiddle to to, to Sorensen and one's going to go out to get game time, it would I think Jay Ben's the one that needs the game time more to kind of build a bit of confidence, consistency and and without being uh, beaten around the bush to kind of prove himself a little bit, I suppose. Rosa Hui has kind of done that to an extent. Every opportunity, of, I can't talk again, every opportunity he's had in the last season or two to to play first team football, whether it be the appearance he had for us or over in Ireland at Drahida, it's been positive. So on paper, with the information that we have, for me, last days, starting right wing back, You've got Alicia sitting in the wings and then TJ, if you need a more experienced player to fill in there, if if, if Lass is injured or, or missing or needs, needs, needs a rest or something. So I personally don't feel that a, another right wing back in the squad is of paramount importance. Um, it's going to shock people because this seems to be what you and I almost always say to each other when one has finished talking, but I agree um, 100%. I particularly paid note to Michael Horton when he tweeted the other day that we were still looking for four players, centre-back, central midfielder, striker and a wide player. My feeling is that the wide player is an attacking wide player to replace the outgoing Charles Vernon. Um, centre-back, obviously, to boost numbers, central midfielder, because we've lost Virtue and Sanders and signed Smith, so we're still one short there, and a centre-forward to, to replace Luke Plange. So it feels to me like we're not planning on bringing a right wing back into the club. Um, we lost one in Regan Poole, granted, but he wasn't playing right wing back at the end of the season. What I would say is that Lass is an athlete, very, very rarely injured, um, always lasts the 90 minutes, still has you know, petrol in the tank, 89 minutes. He'll still bust a gut to get up and down the field. We've seen that with him. So actually, in terms of um, physicality, I don't think that having... We need to have cover, naturally, but I don't think that having somebody who's pushing him all the way necessarily would be much use for the player who's pushing him because I don't think they're going to get much of a chance in terms of injuries unless it's a freak injury. You know, you know, if you're covering Ted Bishop, greatest respect, you're going to get a chance at some point during the season. 
if you're covering Lars Sorensen, you know, hope we have an EFL trophy run because otherwise you're going to probably struggle. Uh, and I agree with you that it's either a Huey or Ben who we keep. I see Jay Ben's spell at Bohemians as a bit challenging for him. I think he goes out on loan. He hasn't had the record that who he's got. So he, you know, he hasn't got a lot of games behind him. I think he only played 12 times for Halifax and a handful of times for um, Bohemians, whereas a Huey has really gone out and impressed. I think we keep a Huey in the side mm. um, to, as, as the backup. And, and I think that Lass Sorensen is the starting right wing back. So where are we going to go? Let's stick on the, well, I mentioned him already. So um, let's drop on to the next question. If it's from you, thank you very much. Where do you stand on Ted Bishop going into next season? Nowhere. He bruises like a peach. Uh, I think if he keeps injury free, he can do really well for us. But where does he fit midfield or out wide? Um, Happy to pick this one up, first of all. Um, I think Ted is one of the most frustrating Lincoln City players through no fault of his own um, in recent times because when he's good he's sublime uh, and you look at the goals I think it was was it Barnsley in the Mickey Mouse trophy last season uh, his performance against Fleetwood where he got two goals um, yeah he he can be a magician uh, and you can when we talk about playing out wide and, and we're going to come on to formation again in a little while actually the formation that we play means our wide players technically are not out-and-out wingers. You know, we're not playing a 4-4-2 where there's people on the flank looking to get the balls in the box. Our wide, our width, more often than not, is going to come from those overlapping wing-backs. Uh, and the the so-called wide players in the front three, uh, you want to tuck them in a little bit closer to the centre-forward. They want to be dropping back a little bit, so you'll, you'll pick them up on the edge of the area. They'll look to get the ball and run from deep. That's a position that I can see Ted Bishop excelling in. Um, especially if it's a team that are inviting us onto them. If we're needing to pick them apart, he's the sort of player that can get on the ball and pick a pass. I see him playing in that sort of position. However, I don't know if that's going to be a 40-game thing. One, it's his fitness. Two, we've got Rico Hackett. We've got Danny Mandrew. Dylan Duffy will be on the fringes, I think. We're looking at signing another wide player. You bring a new player in there. They're going to expect to be in and around the first team. It's going to be a challenge, I think, for Ted to get into the side. If you're playing a two-man midfield, I can't see him penetrating a two-man midfield because, you know, Arahan is going to start. We know that. He's God. And then we're looking at still signing a central midfielder. And we've got Alistair Smith on top of that as well. So I think that Ted Bishop has got a huge season. It's his final year of his contract, I believe. But he's got a real point to prove for going forward. Whether he's a Lincoln City player or not, really, it shouldn't be the first thing in his mind end of the day he should be making sure that people see what Ted Bishop is all about this year he's got a fight on his hands in my opinion competition for places very much I think sometimes certainly how we play currently and in the current makeup of the squad he's almost a bit of a a victim of his own versatility because he can play again I'm not saying this is his best position but he is a perfectly capable he could play next to Irohan in a two I wouldn't particularly want to start him there, but he could quite quite feasibly play that role. He, if we play a 3-5-2, he can play in one of the three in the midfield. He could play in one of those three kind of advanced tens to, behind our two strikers, the kind of hybrid winger 10 role. He could do that. And I agree. I think that's his best position or where, where he can have the most influence on in the team. But as I talk... like Think through the squad and you think, you know, who would be our kind of number one choice in each of these positions... And this might feel really harsh, but he isn't number one 
choice in any of them. He's like the first sub in any position that needs to come on. And again, you think he's going to get a potential ruin the team because it's always it's always going to be someone out injured or going to be someone unavailable. More often than not, he's going to be able to fill in somewhere. But from a is he going to be a long term Lincoln City player standpoint, just being able to fill in in lots of different positions doesn't doesn't give you a guaranteed start. You want to make a position your own. That's how you establish yourself in a team. And once again, in complete agreement. I think it's a huge season for him. It's weird. He's been part of the club for a couple of years and I keep, I often forget about him. Yeah. I often forget he's part of our, But whenever we analyse the squad, you think, oh yeah, we've got Ted who can play there. It's always like an afterthought and that's not his fault because he's been sublime at times. As you mentioned, he's been, he's been unplayable. He is an incredibly talented footballer and I would love nothing more for him to, to make one of those positions his own and, and surprise us all. But for me, he isn't a starting player in any of those initial 11 positions on the pitch but he is probably as the quad squad currently stands the first place player that comes on one of the 10 roles he's the first one to come on in one of the six roles and he could, he could even play at wing back if you need him to again not necessarily his best position so yeah, it's a really interesting one with Ted um, I really hope he's going to go on and be, be, be successful but I suppose what's also interesting in terms of our squad building is from a club's perspective that's probably a positive because we signed him as a first-team player. We signed him as a player, as a George Grant replacement, I seem to remember, to be of a, a similar quality and to have a similar importance. And Ted hasn't got worse as a player. But what that shows is that we've become less reliant upon him because mm-hmm. our squad depth, even an incomplete, an incomplete squad as it stands now, actually isn't relying upon Ted Bishop starting. See, I was quite surprised. I just looked quite surprised how many games he played after Christmas. Because I was thinking, you know, wow, we didn't see him, did we, at all at the end of the season? But, you know, he played when we lost 3-0 to Peterborough, when we lost 2-1 at Exeter, when we drew 0-0 at Cheltenham, when we lost at Fleetwood, when we drew at Sheffield Wednesday. His last game was the 2-0 victory against Cheltenham, which I think was the game where um, we kind of went, right, well, we're safe now. What are we going to do for the rest of the season? And actually, from there, when we went and we beat Wickham and we beat Plymouth and all that sort of thing, you know, we were doing so without him. And I think, therefore, it's really easy, as you say, to forget about him. And I think that that's it's harsh from a squad point of view. It's it, it's brilliant because if you've got Ted Bishop on the bench, you can replace a central midfielder. You can replace, like we've just said, a winger. You can even technically replace your left wing back because he has played there. You know, he can play everywhere. But I'm with you. I I don't think that he's a first team player. And I think this is going to sound really harsh. I think had he been out of contract this season, we probably wouldn't have offered him a new one. So, yeah, I think, yeah. and again, I don't think that's anything against him as a, a, a no. as a player. And again, you normally release somebody because maybe they're not going to fit the squad, or they've, they've got a significant injury record, like Joe Walsh did, like potentially not as injury prone as as, as Walsh was in terms of his availability for the Imps. He just hasn't created a position in his own, and as much as he gives you tactical versatility, he hasn't got a definite role in the squad. So, yeah, I, yeah, I think you're right. If if he hadn't if he was out of contract now, maybe maybe he wouldn't be part of the squad. But the fact he is, he's an asset, isn't he? And let's imagine yeah. if you're putting a, if you're putting a squad together on football manager and he's going to be on the, on your bench, like you say, you go, oh well, he can play in cam, he can come on We're out wide, he can come on in the sixth role if you need him to. Yeah, he's going to be my first sub to come on whoever whoever needs to come off, and that's great. That's a great asset to have from a club perspective, but from Ted's perspective, it might not be ideal for him. You know, I've trimmed my beard this week. 
<laughs> oh, did it before you was on air? Did it this time? Because yeah, well, Charlie clipped that up as well, didn't he? Oh, did he? I haven't he seen not, that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, he clipped that one up as well. So I'm not actually on TikTok. Well, I obviously we are on TikTok, but I don't check it. And yeah, so I, I don't. What... I don't understand TikTok. It's it's for all the young cool kids, isn't yeah. it? It's for today's throwaway generation that want to watch a 30 second video because their attention span can't go any further. Um, and if, if that's you, and you know, it, fair and, enough. And in one and in one sense, since you've just alienated half of our listeners. Yay! Yes. Well, <laughs> well, to be honest, we're 30 odd minutes in. If they've got here, unless they've listened to good 30 point. second intervals. Very yeah. good point. Good point. I don't hear those words very often. Right. Now let's start talking a little bit further up the pitch. This one, I know who this one came from because I, 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 this is, I remember. So this is from Pete. Um, and there are two, there's, there's two kind of parts to this. The second bit isn't from Pete, but the first bit is, uh, he says, would the club take £750,000 per house if offered today? I think there's a difference there between would, would, would the fans take it and would the club take it? So we'll, we'll, we'll pick that up. And if not, how big would a bid have to be? If he sold this window, who would be the option for the replacement? Um, and the, the the question that came from somebody else was what profile of striker makes the most sense for house. So first of all, rather than who, let, let's talk about fee seven hundred fifty thousand. Would you? It's such a it's an interesting number that because it's it's nowhere near a million, is it? But it's it's also significantly higher than we've received from anybody recently. I think the big question would be would Ben House want to leave the club desperately. I think it's not a big enough fee to force him out the door and say, go on, mate, we need the cash crack on and have a great career. But it's also not not low enough for us to kind of say to him, you stay in no matter what, that's not a big enough fee for you to leave. So I think it depends very much on, on Ben. If he was desperate to leave and go and play in the championship, I think it's a reasonable fee that we can all say, well, we, we spent, what, 30 to 50K on him. In a year and a half, a couple of years, we've made... 700 grand profit yeah i think that's a worthwhile investment you then got a big chunk of cash that can help us not only improve that position of the pitch but numerous positions for the next window or two or three so if ben wants to leave desperately yep i'd take it but if ben was like you know what i'm really enjoying my football i feel if i can continue on the same form that i've had the end of last season for the first half of this or even the whole of this season he might be able to get a bigger move to a higher up club in the championship, and we might be able to be able to get 1.5 million rather than 750k. So, yeah, for me, it would be a tentative no, unless Ben made it incredibly clear that he was desperate to leave, in which case we owe him nothing and we say thank you very much for your service. So I know that's a bit uh, of a copper answer because my answer is a really it's it depends, isn't it? But so no would be my gut feeling, not yet. Unless he kicks his toys out the prime, which I couldn't see. I'm going to cop out um, as well, <laughs> completely. <laughs> uh, because for me, it depends entirely, one, how the deal is structured, and two, how the deal with Eastley was structured. So we would assume that Eastley have a future interest in the player. Let's say that interest is 10%. So, And, and let's say it's 10% of the fee. Okay, So we would lose £75,000 of that. So that would then be £675,000. Is that enough for Ben House? Not sure. What if it's 20%? What if we would then lose 150000 of that and it would be 600000 Not enough. What if the club coming in are offering us 750000 with another 
100,000 for 10 goals with another 200,000 for 30 appearances with another 15%, 20% sell-on clause. So it's different. Would I take a flat £750,000 into Lincoln City's pocket tomorrow for Ben House? Yes. And that's... Do you know what? I think Ben is one of the most one of the brightest diamonds in the current squad and we've got some good young footballers um but ben has certain attributes that i don't think you find in players of his age particularly easily and um, i think he had a good goal scoring record but it's not just about goals he's if you're going to take ben house expecting him to score you 25 goals a season in the championship you're not getting that um, but if you're going to take him to score 15 goals for you in the championship, 10 goals in the championship, but create for the players around him to work hard tirelessly, if he goes to the right team and the right setup, um, then I think he's worth he's worth an awful lot more. It's hard. I I wouldn't want this to take £750,000 for him. But for me, there's a line between you can refuse that and it's hard to refuse the line is 750,000 so it's firmly firmly on the fence for me and I think this can maybe links on to the next question a little bit is that he's really difficult to replace because he's yeah. such a unique player he's such an intelligent footballer I I I love him as a footballer I I, I like players that are it's so intelligent off the ball I, I'm a nerd I like looking at that sort of stuff and I know you're not a huge follower of, of Premier League football, and I'm not. I'm not either. But there's a player who I am a stoic defender of, who gets a bit of slack, and it's Mason Mount, who has just gone to Man U for sixty million. And Mason Mount, not obviously not a like for like play replacement for, for Ben House, and not doesn't play in the same position, but has the same kind of impact on his team as Ben House does, because not only is he reliable himself, he makes everyone around him better. Because he knows what he's doing, he he, he makes the right runs. He he's, he understands the pressing trinkers, the angles of the runs, and he creates the right areas of it for his teammates. Ben House arguably has a far greater impact on the team because he's the first line of that press. He's the first line of that of, of us winning the ball back. And if you can funnel where you want it to go, you can set up and you can predict it, and you, it can become rehearsable then. Which is why set pieces are so are so are so effective because they're rehearsable. But if you can set up out of possession but you are kind of in control of the game because you dictate where the other team passes the ball. You can set traps, you can set pressing traps so you can win it back. Ben House is an expert, the best player I've ever seen at Lincoln City in that regard, as well as being a talented player and can score you some goals as well. And for that reason, he's just going to be incredibly difficult to replace. It'd be expensive to replace like for like, and it's very, very rare to find a young player who would have a sell-on, kind of a sell-on interest who would be a like-for-like -like replacement. So I feel, the more I talk about that, actually, the more, the more I kind of feel, no, 750k sure. isn't enough. <laughs> I was just going to say that. The, the only caveat would be if Ben was desperate to leave, in which case... Which is not, is he? Yeah, I don't think so. Yes. But so, so I've changed my mind, actually. No, it's not enough. I, give me, give I, us more, please. I've been thinking, so just, as you were talking through there, and I'm thinking, do you know what, though, the amount of money it would take to replace him, and you know, you'd probably have to spend... Even if you, if you, if we know of a player in League Two or the National League, and I don't think a player like him is lurking in the National League, but if you know of a player like that, you're probably going to cost us a six-figure sum. And I don't even think there's one lurking in League One that plays the same. There's as good off the ball as him. The only player that I think has, has any sort of similarity 
It's going to bloody annoy me because I've forgotten his name. He played up top for Plymouth last season, still part of their squad, just signed a new deal. Scottish Pass. guy. Oh, uh, Ryan good. Hardy. Ryan Hardy, thank Ryan you. Hardy. Ryan Hardy is a very yeah. similar style of player. And he, and I, he, I've, I've been really impressed with him whenever I've seen him for the same reason. But he's just yeah. gone to the Championship. Blackpool. Uh, yes, I think he was. I think he was on loan at Blackpool. Rain- Did he not come from Rangers? Yeah, I think he was on loan at Blackpool from Rangers, then went on loan to Plymouth, and they signed him on a permanent, yeah. I think. Um, but he, he's, I think, similar. But again, he's been part of a promotion-winning team and had a, a huge part, role to play in that, and is now going to be playing in the Championship. There's no one that comes to mind that I think would just walk into the team and, 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 and play the same style and as effectively as Ben House would. I think he's, so- perennially, I think he's perennially underrated, actually, in League One. And... It would not surprise me if he had if he does go on and have an, an influential start to this season, and then we're fi- we are batting off and fielding bids significantly higher than seven hundred and fifty k in January. And let's be honest, that would be incredibly. If it was a million quid, that's incredibly difficult for Lincoln City was, to turn down. I was just going to say, just quickly on that. So, is that your threshold? Is is it a million pound that we can't turn down? I think it's not just the fact it's a million quid in terms of just the sum of money. I think it's what one million pound stands for. It'd be our first ever one million pound player. So it kind of elevates the sale in terms of importance and standing. And maybe even ele- elevates Ben House's standing in terms of his history with the club and how we see him by fans historically in maybe five, six, seven years in the time. He will always be our first million pound sale at that point. And I think, yeah. Once we've had one, so let's imagine we were Peterborough United. The first time they they invested in non-league talent and they got their their first big sale over a million, the first one's always going to be more important than the next one, the next one, the next one. Now, Peterborough are masters of that, or they have been over time for, for centre-forwards. But the first one is, is really significant, isn't it? It kind of it sets, the, sets the tone. So, yeah, I think for me, a million quid definitely would be the threshold, but not just because it's 250 grand more than 750. I think it... it, it it's the psychology. It's the psychology of it. It's, makes it slightly yeah. more important as well i get that i get that let's stay uh let's stay up top and i'll pick this one up first of all because it kind of plays into a point that i've already made um so it, it's kind of we're basically going to be talking about charlie kendall it's two questions in one again which i'll roll all of them out and then we can have the discussion so the questions were what league do you see kendall being loaned out to would another season in the uh, vnl which i'm assuming is vanarama national league be good for him or would it be best for him to be a sporadic bench player challenging house if we loan out kendall and he doesn't make an impact a game wherever he goes does there come a point where we cut our losses on him? One goal in his last 17 games in the lower divisions isn't a sign of a player up to League One standard. Um, like I've said it, I've mentioned him already once on this podcast, Callum Lang, but I don't think you cut your losses on any young player until um, you feel that there is a need to. Do we need to cut our losses on Charlie Kendall? One, is he a drain on our resources? Well, if he's going out on loan, there's a there's a potential that the player, that the club that are loaning him are paying a small amount of his fee. He hasn't had great loan spell, uh, great loan spells last season. But to be fair, the season before that, he was smashing them in at Eastbourne Borough. Bear in mind, he went to a Bromley side that didn't really play, I don't think, to suit him. They were quite successful. They already had Adam Marriott. They already had Michael Cheek. He didn't really get a, a decent run of games. Sutton United, they played a, a quite a long ball game and that absolutely doesn't suit him at all. So, you know, the, whether you look at our loan um, kind of choices and go, well, did we make the right choices for him? I don't know. I wonder if Sutton was more with a view for him being further down south. And, you know, I think both loans were kind of for that as well, weren't they? So, um 
yeah, I, I I don't think you talk about cutting losses. I think his next loan is a big loan, but I think that it is potentially one in the National League. And I, I think the best thing for Charlie Kendall would be to have a loan spell at a club near us. I think you keep him close to Lincoln. And do you know what? Actually, and it's the level's not quite right. Charlie Kendall, for me, would be ser- well served going to Scunthorpe United, which I know is one below, which is the same as Eastbourne Borough. Um, York City, somewhere like that, somewhere where he can go that's local, that he can stay in touch with the team, he can train with us, if the all that sort of stuff, if if need be as well. Uh, but no, I don't see as I don't see a need to cut our losses. I don't see it. You protect your investments. There's no need to throw them away when they don't work out straight away. I'm going to disagree with you somewhat. If it's maybe <gasps> the second time ever. Wow. So firstly, I, I agree that definitely loan out. I don't think him being a bit part player in the squad when we we know that the club are in for another striker and we expect um, either Joven or Draper also to stay in and around the squad as well. I and we as it stands, we we got to play one up top, so he just doesn't play enough. And he was successful at Eastbourne when he was playing week in week out, could build that consistency and that confidence. Is, we mentioned it last week or the week before. It's such an important attribute and it's it's intangible you can't measure confidence but you can see it you can see a confident player when they're playing and you need sometimes players just need a confidence boost in loan so I 100% feel he'd be a national league loan I think start of football and the club is more important than location and there's actually one particular national league club that I think would suit him perfectly and that is Dorking Wanderers Dorking it's a bit, bit left field. Go on. <laughs> yeah. Dorking Wanderers play very attractive football. They're very front foot. They often play two up top. And they've recently gone from semi-pro to professional this season. And it's it's not a million miles away from Eastbourne in terms of location. So he could potentially move back home, be in his comfort zone, which helps with those kind of home comforts and the comfort blanket and the confidence a little bit. And he would play regularly for them in a system and a style that suits him. Uh I'm not just saying this because because anyone might might have heard of something called bunch of amateurs, which is a, that's on TikTok. But I got to, into the the YouTube channel, which followed Dorking Wanderers, um, and it's just brilliant. I've been watching it for two or three years. But I was looking through some of these questions earlier on my lunch break, and and I was looking through the National League setup and which which clubs would really stand out to me, and, and which really would I think would would look at kind of feel at home, and I think. Style of football is important. He needs to have the ball on the ground. He needs to be able to run in behind. He needs to be able to ideally play in a two a lot of the time. I don't think he's suited to playing up there on his own. And it's just, yeah, it was kind of, I kept coming back to that. And I didn't want it to be just because I like Dorking because I've watched the YouTube channel following them, but it just fits. So, yeah, that would be an interesting one for me. I agree it's a bit of a left field, left field choice. But yeah, my disagreement with you would be A, I don't think the, the location is important. I think the club is important. And secondly, if if you do get the club right and he doesn't perform, I do feel that maybe that is the point that you'd kind of cut some losses because he's not a teenager. And it'd be 20 this at the end of this season, I think he'd be 23, possibly 24. I could be wrong, but I think he'd be 23 at the end of this season. And he's he's far from he's far from past it at that point. But when you're thinking of sell-on fees, you're thinking of him. If he, you know, if if he then needs another loan to have a chance, he then smashes it. He's then going to be 24. Comes into our team, he'll be 25, 26. Your your potential sell-on then is is starting to wane. 
So, of course, it depends. It depends on so many different factors. It depends on what Charlie wants as well, whether he wants to fight for his place or go out and play week in, week out. But let's imagine he goes and has a, a bit part season at Dorking or another professional non-National League club where he's kind of OK, but he doesn't set the world alight. You could be pretty settled then that he's found his level and he might then want to go and sign permanently a National League club that he can he can play week in, week out with and, and play at his level. So we all hope he goes away and smashes it and has a fantastic season. We know he scores goals and, you know, goal scorers score goals at any level, don't they? They just need the confidence to do so. It's the other elements of the game that need polishing. But ultimately, if goal scorers are scoring, they're going to get noticed and, and then you can polish those other bits and bobs. So Question. my opinion, go on. If he's only suited to playing in a two... I don't think he's only suited, but I think he's more suited to that. Where would he play if he go? Let's say he goes to Dorking or, or wherever. Fifteen goals in the first six months of the season. Everyone clamours for him to be recalled. Where does he play for us? Great question. Great question. With no, with no answer. <laughs> yeah, well, no answer. But the thing is, we have we, we, we have changed to three five two at times last season. Yeah, we have. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and it's worked. So I, I don't think we're going to have just right. We're going to play three four three every single game, no matter what. Mark and and his assistant showed a fair amount of tactical nails last season and, and a willingness to change shape when when required. So I imagine our, our two shapes that we have the squad to be able to do is a three four three and a three five two. I think we have well, the versatility in the squad to do it. So I suppose the question is, if he goes and smashes it, and you think, well, we need to get him in the team. And we're semi consistent, semi not with a you know we're not settled on one that's just working week in week out no matter what, and other teams are adapting towards them. Then you play three five two to to accommodate him. So yeah, he's not he's not out of the equation at all. I think I think it's just it's just a big loan for him. This one needs to be a success, and then if it is fantastic, everyone's back on track, aren't they? But if it's not. I think that's when you do start to look at weighing up those options and saying, well, what's best, not just for the club, because I can't imagine him being on huge wages. I can't imagine him the, the transfer fee being an, an, a huge initial outlay. Maybe maybe then you decide what's best for everybody. But we all hope, we're all Lincoln fans and we're all Charlie Kendall fans. We want him to go somewhere, smash it, come back in six months' time, full of confidence and be a, a fixture in the first-team squad. So time-wise, we are knocking on. We haven't got through all the questions, but I am determined to get through them. So we'll um, we'll speed up. You've actually answered one of the questions here, partly. So I know this one was from Richard Cross. Um, he said, what formation do you think we will prefer and who's going to be captain? Well, I concur. I think that we'll play 3-4-3. I think the signings are hinting we'll play 3-4-3. And I think the suggestions coming from the likes of Michael Horter, that the type of player that we're still wanting to sign, suggest 3-4-3. I think 3-5-2 is an option for us. I think Danny Mandrew can play through the centre. Rico Hackett can play through the centre. I don't think that it's going to be the main option because I think if it was, we'd actually be looking at bringing in probably two strikers rather than a single striker because you'd want two for each position. And if you start with two up top, you'd want four for each position. So I think three, four, three. Would I be think we'd have that though because we've got in the squad house and I think I think it's unfair just to class Rico as, as just a wide player. He's, he's a capable centre forward as well. So I think he could definitely play as a in the two, you then have one of Jovan and Freddie in, in the squad and you bring another one in. You've got three out-and-out strikers plus someone else who can play up top. And let's not forget that Danny Mandrew played up in a 3-5-2 last season at times but, and was reasonably productive in that role. 
what we're talking there though is players that can play, can play, can yeah, play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think if we were going to play three five two, you would be signing players that do play and then potentially change it. It's like last season, we didn't go into last season going, well, um, last can play right wing back, so we don't need to bring in X, Y, and Z. Um, so but I think three five two is an option. And I think as you, you've said, when those players can play there. Who knows what might happen? You might suddenly put Rico Hackett through the centre with Van House and he gets a hat-trick in 15 minutes. It's hard then to drop him from that position next time out. If it works, you know, you go with it. And if it doesn't work, Mark Kennedy and the team have shown that they chop things up. As in captain, I, I just think the captain is Paulie O'Connor. I, I don't see it being anybody else. I know people were saying Ethan Aran, but I think that he's just a little bit red mist at times, a little bit. You know, there was once or twice where I remember Pordy calming him down. I think Pordy O'Connor's our captain. I don't think there's any debate. I agree 100%. Yep. Next. Yeah, done and dusted. <laughs> <laughs> That's that. Uh, one question that isn't on here, and typically we don't really want to be adding ones in considering we might overrun. Interesting there, because you said we'll keep one of Job and or Freddie Draper. I agree 100%. I think we're going to have Ben House. I think we're going to sign another striker. And I think we will keep one of Job and or Freddie Draper. Michael Horton has, text, uh, has put out on tweet, Twitter this afternoon, he, Freddie Draper is set for a loan. Um, so it looks like it will be Joven or potentially Charlie Candle, but more likely to be Joven who stays around the side. Um, kind of an opinion on that. I mean, I'll give my opinion. I think it probably makes sense because I think the loan has got to be right for Freddie. For me, last season, Sam's, Sam Long's loan, when he came back from Ireland, was not the right loan. Um, Boston course, United, yeah. National League, North, yeah, wasn't the right loan. The right loan for Freddie Draper, given how he's been playing in Ireland, for me, is Football League. Anything lower than Football League, and I think we're doing Freddie a disservice given what he's achieved in Ireland. Yep, play week out, week in, week out in League Two. It's yeah. interesting, isn't it? Because if you've got a young player, like what he's eighteen now, that's that's yeah. good enough to play week in, week out in League Two, then the argument would be, well, he's clearly good enough to be part of the first team squad. So then you're kind of weighing up your options, aren't you? Well, what's better for the club? A immediately, B long term, and what's better for Freddie immediately and long term? And I think you have your best players in your squad. You have Freddie Draper as part of the squad. But if he is going to play that second field to Ben House, which he would be, he's not going to get a lot of football. Yes, he's going to be in and around the first team environment, but he's not going to get a lot of football. And the lad's been playing week in, week out over the summer and banging in the goals. He's on, he's on red hot form. I agree. I think it's best for the club. It's best for Freddie. Go out on loan. Continue that red hot form. Fingers crossed he continues that in League Two. He can then come back to us in January and be a real asset as part of a squad and really threaten the first team. And then if we do happen to field large, large, large bids for Ben House, you've got Freddie Draper who can then be an, not necessarily a starter, but someone who can take that slot in the, in the first team squad. You know about having four strikers. Well, yeah. if you lose Ben House in, in January, but you bring Freddie Draper back into the squad, we haven't had to invest any of that money that we've, potentially receive from house if that happens this is really good forward planning i think yeah and, and let's face it if we were to sell ben house in january if and somebody pays us a million pounds for him and and you were to go and buy a player 
if you were to look in League Two and there's an 18-year-old striker who's got eight goals in 20 games and has been playing regularly in middle to top end of League Two, you'd go, he's going to be a good purchase. He's, 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 a prime, player, he's your yeah. prime one target, isn't he, if that's the yeah, case? Of course he is, especially if he's also been over in Ireland and he's one player of the month and he's the only teenager to be in the top 10 and he was the first teenager to win it in 10 years or whatever it is. He's a massive, massive talent. And I think whilst it's really easy for for fans to go, he should be in and around our, our our squad. Lack of games stunted Sam Long's progression last season. Regular games um, enhanced Sean Rowan's position last season. Whether it was out on loan or not is irrespective. There was a position in short in the team for Sean Rowan, and he took it. There isn't a starting position for Freddie Draper. I agree a hundred percent. We're back on track. We agree again, which is great news. Um, right. So we've got a couple of quick quickish fire questions. Three to go. Uh, this one. Now that clubs are allowed to sign some players from abroad, do you see us looking at some of the foreign markets for players? Um, I'll pick this one up because the answer is yes, but not this transfer window. Because That's ex- when- exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> and already one or two clubs have already gone and kind of bought those players. Now, either they were they were planning for this ruling um, or they've gone, we can do this. Let's go out and do that now. Football manager style, something's popped up on their screen so they can do it. And they've gone, right, let's go and do it. And the way that we recruit players, I think we will look at those markets potentially in January, but I think you're more likely to see the impact of that next transfer window. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's really exciting because there are a lot of foreign markets which can create a lot of value in terms of transfer fees and, and wages. League One is a very attractive op- option for players of a League One quality currently playing in leagues, which are less paid and, and, and less well attended. So there is real value there. And we've only, I know Lewis has obviously got a, a terrible injury at the moment and he's just been really unlucky. But there's absolutely no denying that this time last season, or season before, he, he was one of our most saleable assets. He was one of our most valuable assets after a relatively low fee and some very intelligent scouting quite clearly in, in the Dutch second division. So those type of markets are open again. Uh, I actually mentioned this at a supporters board meeting just, just, it was about, I think it was the very next day after this was announced, just kind of saying, I'm sure the club have seen this, but are you kind of actively or have you been actively investigating this? And Liam's answer was uh, along the lines of, yeah, we're very much aware of that. It creates it, this potential value there. So maybe they've been thinking about it for years uh, or for months, but, I agree. I think we're most likely to maybe see a project player coming in in January, maybe in that regard, a young player from a Dutch second division, the, 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 maybe the fourth tier in Germany or somewhere like that, maybe somewhere further afield or more likely next, next summer when we've been able to put a little bit more in-depth scouting into them. And also in terms of data, the data that you can get at a League One standard in England is significantly higher and, 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 and far varied and more in-depth than it is at kind of lower levels in other countries. You don't get quite as wide range data. I know we signed Jay Ben on the back of data, really, from there was something in the data that, that, that suggested he'd be a really promising signing from the National League, because again, the data is quite in depth at that. But at that level in other countries, the data isn't there. So it's more difficult to find the value. You've got to watch them. You can't just go on the numbers. And that takes time. Yeah. I We had um, a couple of Christmases ago, I went to the... Uh, Jez George presentation on transfers and it was absolutely phenomenal and he was explaining about Lewis Monsmer and how we signed him and how that avenue had been closed off and talking about um, Osin Gallagher who obviously 
technically was playing in Southern Ireland. And if we'd wanted to sign him from, from the Republic of Ireland, we couldn't. But because Derry is in Northern Ireland, there was the whole FIFA ruling and, and you know, saying we, we should be able to sign him because technically they're based here. Um, I actually think the two markets that we are likely uh, to, to look at are the Dutch second division or the Dutch league. And I actually think the Republic of Ireland, because I think now, because the, the island's been quite, it has been under a microscope over the last couple of years because that's where we can sign players from, but it's where all the other clubs can sign players from as well. And I think there's been a, an influx of Irish players. Now, all of a sudden, they can look further afield. I wonder if one or two clubs might take their eye off Ireland a little bit, whereas in actual fact, we might look and think, well, we know there's value in Northern Ireland. With the greatest respect to Northern Ireland, the Republic of Ireland's league is is as good, if not, you know, maybe... It's stronger. Better. It's stronger. It's more professional as well. Exactly. Every team's professional in uh, in the Republic. There's only Linfield and Glensor, I think, that are pro in Northern. And so I, uh, yeah, I, I do wonder if perhaps, perhaps we might remain focused on Ireland. But I just think that it opens up. Uh, it definitely opens up a, a, a much wider scope for the recruitment team who haven't done a bad job. Oh, and certainly in Ireland, I think we can't we can't criticise the track record of Irish talent, can we? Now, you may have this already written down, but I saw one on Twitter about a potential Spanish signing. Is that coming up I, on your list? I'm coming up to that. Don't worry. Yeah, right. I'm coming up to that. Uh, but technically, it's Spanish players from any era. So yeah. you can't go pulling out your, like, I don't know, Spanish second division plays. No, for... no, no, no. No, no. I... Okay, good, good. I, I was just, I was, just, I was looking forward to sharing this one. That was all. I'm I looking for. Sure I'm actually looking. It. I'm looking forward to this one as well because I've got two picks. Um, anyway, uh, so th- this is really a quick fire one. We'll just say who and why. Which of the new signings do you feel will have the most positive impact on the team this coming season, Chris? The one I'm most excited about is Alistair Smith. Hopefully they all they all have a positive impact, but he's the one that I'm really excited about. If I'm honest, he's the one I knew the most about before we signed him. And I just really like the combination of a talented holding midfielder and a really athletic, physical box-to-box midfielder, specifically a box-to-box midfielder that likes to have a pop from distance and can get on the end of crosses. Who does that remind you of? Oh, I think Richard Butcher. Um, so... If he's anything like Ricky Butcher was, then then that's that's obviously a, a positive. But for me, yeah, he's the one I've been most excited about. And he's the one that we know has come in to be. He's got a definite starting place in the squad. Jaden Brown has as well. We know that now. But yeah, I just, yeah, for me, Alistair Smith. Now, I uh, reading the question, I'm most excited about Alistair Smith, I'll be honest. Which of the new signings do I feel will have the most positive impact on the team this coming season? I'm actually going to go for Lucas Jensen. Um, Because in terms of having a positive impact on the whole team, nothing makes a football team more comfortable than knowing that they've got a safe pair of hands in the sticks. We had that last season with Carl Rushworth. We didn't have it the season before with Josh Griffiths. He wasn't a bad goalkeeper, but he made a couple of errors early doors. And I think that that began to resonate through the defence. The defence wasn't settled fair enough. As a fan base, you mentioned Palmer, Griffiths and, and Rushworth. Griffiths is the lower of the three. Do I think he's the weakest keeper of the three? Not particularly. He was just the least consistent. I'd the say. least consistent. So I think with Jensen, I think that we've got a big keeper. We've got somebody who I'm hoping is going to cement his place. Um, he's going to have a settled back, uh, back five or back three in front of him. And I think that can have the most positive impact on the team as a whole. 
So I've tried to circumnavigate the question and not just no, agree with it, your analysis. It, he, he, he was my second choice for exactly my, the same reason. <laughs> I, I, I was, do you know what? Actually, as I was talking, I was almost going to say Jaden Brown because I love a fullback. Um, there's, there, there's two. There's, I love a wingback and I love a holding midfielder and I love an Alistair Smith. They're the three positions I, I absolutely love. People going about their strikers and their I'm exactly the same. goalkeepers. Plus a target man. I love a target man. I, I don't mind those. That. I love yeah, a target yeah. man. Yeah, I, I just I think it gives that. you an out ball. I love a target man because you don't, you haven't ever got to rely on them. But if you're in the shit or you need an out ball, you know you're not just giving the ball away immediately by clearing your lines. Yeah, you yeah hold yeah. it or bring it. I just like a target man. I'm a bit old school in that regard. Old school, right? Speaking of old school, we're going to be talking about players from any era. It's the final question. It's a novelty question, and I have saved it for last as we are now over the hour mark on our quick thirty minutes. Um, which with City over in Spain at the moment. Which Spanish player from any era would you put in the City team for the season ahead and why? Now, you say, have, have you got one or two? I've only got one. Okay, I'll, shall I put one of mine in and then the other one as well? So I'll do mine, then you, then me, because I've cheated and I've picked two. And the first one isn't of any kind of um, the genre of player that I've just mentioned. I'd go for Emilio Butragueño, who was the striker that played for Real Madrid in uh, the 80s and 90s. And if you look at his return, I think he played 68, 69 games for Spain, scored 26 goals. They called him El Vulture. Uh, I don't know what Spanish is because I don't speak Spanish. Um, and I, I just loved the... Uh, I don't know. The Spanish team of that time were the perennial underachievers and he was the big star. And I remember every time I used to watch him, he always looked dangerous, even though he was in an average team. And I just think from any era, I think that the type of player that he is could fit really, really well in this Lincoln City team. He used to work hard, but he had that natural poacher's instinct. And the only thing that stopped this Lincoln City team, in my opinion, last season, challenging for the playoffs, was more goals. So I would bring more goals into the team. I've taken a different approach. So the way I looked at this was someone who would have been attainable for a League One club. In their time, so someone okay. who played in League One who was Spanish. Oh well, that's so, obvious. I know what you're going to go for. Go on, no, I'll let you. I'll let you go. Go on, Angel Rangel. Oh no, I'm not. I don't know then. Uh, <laughs> who was going to go who, for Mar- was... Martinez? <laughs> well, the thing is, everyone knows about Martinez as a, as a as a as a Swansea player, but he wasn't actually a massively successful Swansea player higher up. He was an excellent manager. But I think he only played in League Two for Swansea. I could be wrong, but I think he I only did. Wigan. Oh, shit. Yes, of course he did. Um, no. But I forgot about him uh, playing for Wigan. And I went for Angel Rangel, primarily because of what he achieved. So he played in League One when Swansea won promotion from League One. And he stayed as their starting right back in the Championship. And he stayed as their starting right back in the Premier League as well. So, I don't, you know what? I'd still probably prefer to have Lass as a starting player. But the reason I've gone for Angel Rangel was because he played in League One, he was Spanish, and he ended up playing in the Premier League for multiple seasons. Okay. Do you know what? I, I, I Maybe I've misunderstood the question. So I've picked a world great, and you've picked someone that actually played in League One. Um, the other person I was gonna, going to pick, uh, and this is another one that it, it might go over people's heads, but he played at Euro 96, was Herrero. Hierro, you know, the... Uh, Fernando Hierro. Yeah, because he was just a hard nut. 
And I just sometimes think you need that. But I'm going to go and on the fly, on the hop here, talk about uh, a Spanish player then that played in the lower divisions. Um, if I could pick one to bring into this team, it would probably be the former Scunthorpe man, Alex Calvo Garcia. Because again, I think that he was a he was a lovely footballer and I hated him. And I hated him because he played Scunthorpe. And he was a hated him because he was good and he played yeah. for Scunthorpe. So you're not allowed yeah. to like him. But the thing is, that's that's the biggest compliment a player can have, isn't it? If you're hated by your rivals, yeah, or by your rivals' fans, it's just yeah, he was a good, he was definitely a good player. Before we finish, I actually have one more question. This is Ooh. this is this is from Pete. Okay, uh, I think it's directly at you. He said, um, "Is it incumbent upon friends to remember to say happy birthday to each other?" When was his birthday? Apparently it was yesterday. Oh, no. It I'm guessing I by your action, that's a yes then. I don't... Uh, how can it be his birthday in June? He's the same year as me. He's, he's not that young, is he? I don't know. He just he messaged me earlier and I said I'd ask. So, so there you are, Pete. Wow. I think I think Gary's reaction just, just shows there was, there was genuine remorse there. That should mean a lot. I hope, I hope, I hope that meant a lot to you. I, I, hate, I, I felt hate that. that. I hate that. I hate. I, I, I'm not great with birthdays. Fifth um, of July, yeah, 1979. It's there on his Facebook. I was thinking it's June. It's July. Um, yeah, shit. Wow. It didn't pop up on my Facebook either. So, right. The thing I, is, if birthdays don't pop up on Facebook, they don't exist. No. They don't exactly. Right, everybody. I think he's at Pete Summers on Twitter. I want everybody to go on and wish him a belated happy birthday from me. Um, I better message him now we've wrapped up. Right, we're done and dusted. I'm not happy with that question. I was blindsided. Um, I feel uh, I feel stressed about it now. I feel bad. So I am going to go and wish my friend Pete happy birthday and eat burgers. Uh, and I think all that remains to be said is up the Spanish imps. Up the Spanish imps. It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.